What is going on? Crossing Broadcast is back. Another day. Kyle, the website, has had a lot going on this weekend. And of course, I'm joined, as always, by Kyle Scott at Crossing Broad. <laughs> and my man Roy, I mean Russ, at Joy on Broad. I am at Adam Lefko. And I'm not God. actually, I'm not actually Adam. Guys, we got a lot to talk about. Big things. What are we talking about? Uh, so, welcome back to Crossing Broadcast. Uh, I'm Kyle Scott. That was Russell doing his best, Adam. Sorry, Adam. <laughs> we, I, I am really sorry. He's not going to know about this until he goes to listen to this. And uh, I hope it. I hope it turned out okay. I've never tried it before. That was very well done. That was very well done. Adam is, for the second show in a row, Adam is not with us today. He is uh, uh, traveling in California. I honestly don't know if for work or for pleasure. All I know is that we've been doing this show for two months, and this is his second California trip. Uh, he is he legitimately, York, so. he's about to take over crossingbroad.com. He has yeah, to get when, a promotion out of this. I'm pretty sure that he and Bob Brookover have now... Uh, figured out the logistics of an of a takeover WWE style of WCW and ladies and gentlemen the website will be looking very different the podcast I'm guessing will sound very different coming soon I'm gonna start with your hip-hop intro once Adam takes over the the running joke is that last time he left he came back wasn't hosting and then he came back and upon his return he was the host and lead on the podcast so it's his negotiating tactic we're convinced anyway he will be back on Wednesday doing his real intros it's uh, me and Russ again two shows in a row you and I um, really sorry so to we the people out there so we took Friday off. We did the show Thursday night at the draft party. Again, thank you to everybody who came out. Uh, every single person I talked to there said they had a terrific time. Most of them had red wristbands and seemed by about 8 o'clock they had clearly taken advantage of the two-hour open bar. So um, it was a good time had by all. We're going to do more of this stuff come the fall some Eagles game watch parties, maybe a trip here or there. So stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming out. That was our first live show. It's the first event I have done in a while. I used to do them way back in the day with the site. And just from like a logistics standpoint of planning stuff like that and doing quizzos and, you know, I'm an hour outside the city driving into the city on a Wednesday to do a quizzo, stuff like that. It became too much. But uh, we got we a guy, sales guy, Kurt, helping us with the business side of stuff now and uh, uh he's going to offload some of the logistics from us also thanks to justin from new media studios brought his equipment out uh and recorded us it sounded like there was a little feedback on one of the mics so if you notice at the last show we were only coming through the left channel in your speaker uh that was to because i i guess there was a little feedback from doing the show live so those are the hiccups you have but all in all i thought it was pretty good uh russ how's your weekend it was a good weekend man just very relaxing and uh uh it's relaxing until you have two kids and the five-month-old decides at 5 30 every morning that he doesn't need an alarm he's just gonna wake up and scream bloody murder um you know other than that uh it was a very eventful weekend uh my my best friend we had his bachelor party um friday and saturday and uh we went went through the the fine borough of westchester where we went to college 
and we surprised them, I think, on Saturday. We went to a union game. They won, won nothing for those of you who uh, are so inclined to care. Uh, Fafa Picot in the first half scored a goal. Um, and then after the game, um, we were down at the player tunnel, and uh, there were a bunch of kids that were like hawking autographs. And all we really wanted to do was like just get down below and like kind of see the players go off the field. And uh, we ended up getting uh, John McCarthy, who is like the backup goalie. He's a local kid. And uh, Fafa Picol, the guy who scored the uh, game-winning goal, both came over, signed his uh, his American uh, scarf. They were doing a promotion. It was like American night. And so that was pretty cool. So uh, really so nice. So you got the again. Union backup goalie autograph? That was your big weekend? It was that and the uh, the goal scorer from the game. You know, Kyle, God. you could you could just be a decent person in this moment. Yeah. You're like, oh man, that's that's cool that you got to meet some people. Uh, but no, 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 that's okay, Kyle. Personally, I am not an autograph guy, and I I understand that people are. I I would if you left it to me, I would much rather have my picture taken with a player or just meet them and just meet them and talk to them for thirty seconds. Yeah, to me well, that, that would be way more impactful happened. than someone signing something. No, that happened, but I, I think the big the big deal in this thing was that it was his bachelor party. So that was like a kind of go back and take That's a look fair. at it in a few years. It's not like, the the weird thing the back, is like, I, I don't get put that on the I shelf. Yeah, in I a few get, years, the backup people, goalie for the union. I don't maybe the, he if maybe he could have him hold the ring at during his uh during his wedding, and he could tie his ship to to him like our like our buddy now, Ricky did to uh, Derek Barnett. Over. Oh yeah, have have John McCarthy come down as the ring bearer. That'd be cute. Yeah, Fafa can yeah. be like the flower, flower guy. Not, um, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if I'm feeling that. But it was a good I've weekend. I've been in that tunnel. Not a, lot of, not a lot of sleep. You've been in the tunnel. Look at you. Hold on. No, no, no. Not inside. Uh, I was some promotion, some sponsor a couple of years ago had tickets for the MLS All Star Game when they played Chelsea. Okay. At PPL Park and really Talent good Energy seats. Stadium. Go ahead. And we went. Uh, whatever it is now, we went under same spot you are just to see. The guys coming off, and basically, I went with my wife, and she just wanted to see Beckham, and and we stood there, and we're we're very close to Beckham as he walked by, and that so that that is a real tunnel highlight seeing seeing Beckham. He did not sign anything, and he's like five foot two in person, which was highly disappointing. That's uh, a uh, his head is dis- disproportionately larger than his body. Like his proportions, yeah, as good as they look on TV, all out of whack on person. Short guy, big head, not not his neck beard. I not a don't go after the neck beard not what you were expecting um all right let's get into it oh so real real quick i know i know that not everybody's going to care about this but um coming up (laughs) i think it's just what a a tease (laughs) so uh i just wanted to point out that this summer if if uh people are again so inclined the uh gold cup is going to be going on and i believe that there are going to be some games played in philly so uh, I'll cover that at some point when it's coming up in a. Is the Gold Cup the when the European teams just tour no. the U.S.? No, nope. because that's always nope. fun. Nope, nope. What is it? Um, the Gold Cup is a Concacaf tournament. So, like the the teams that they compete against to qualify for the World Cup, meaning they, meaning the U.S., um, it's it's just like a championship kind of international tournament amongst those teams. Got it. Okay. The, so, the stuff that you're thinking of, like. When the European clubs, not not like Spain, but like Barcelona and Real Madrid tour, those are coming up in the summer. They're doing a really. Are there any in Philly this year? 
I don't remember. I don't think so. None. Those none are actually. I would. I would recommend people for if if you're like on the fence about soccer. This is how I got into it a bit five years ago. Real Madrid came and played the Union at Lincoln Financial Field, and the Union almost won, which tells you how hard Real Madrid was trying. Real Madrid probably also rolled out their C team. But. Now Ronaldo played a full half. They had they had the the A team. I, I think it's part of their deal that the A team has to play a full half. And then a year later, I saw Tottenham and Liverpool in Baltimore. And if you're on the fence about soccer and just can't get into the MLS, I'm with you. Go to one of these events. If there's not one in Philly this year, there's almost assuredly one in North Jersey or Baltimore or Washington, so well within driving distance. Tickets are usually somewhat available, and you get usually, I don't know who's touring this year, it's very easy to look up, but usually you get uh, a few of the high-level European teams do a tour of the U.S. Uh, The soccer offseason is only like three months long to begin with, and then one month of that is them touring the U.S. So I, if you're a high-level European soccer player, you basically are just playing 10 and a half out of 12 months every single year because other years there's international tournaments and all that stuff and qualifiers. So they just never stop playing. But highly recommended if you want to get into soccer, if you want to try it out, go to one of those things. They're fun, and you can actually see the difference between um, <coughs> the <coughs> slop uh, you get in the U.S. and that. Oh, well. Um, the... Uh- the Let's move CONCACAF on. Gold Cup quarterfinals going to be played at the link. That's uh, July 19th. Okay, that would be there worth it then. Because yeah, you're that, getting the international teams. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and tickets are probably pretty, I would think, I think pretty decently affordable. Cost effective. Unlike, unlike Sixers tickets. And by the way, this is going to be uh, a post on the site today. The Sixers, it seems, everything's coming up Sixers right now. But one of the, like Brian Colangelo has done a a masterful job of flipping the opinion about him with with the swoop of one trade. Now we could come back on that next week in free agency if he does something a little bit ridiculous. But right now Colangelo has done a nice job of swinging the tide in his favor. What has not happened yet is the ownership and management group hasn't, has just been kind of hovering in the background right now because everything's coming up Sixers. However, Apparently, they raised season ticket prices sometime between the, the, the news of the Celtics trade, which was last Friday, about 10 days ago now, and this weekend. And so now all season tickets are sold out, so good for them. Club box tickets are still available. Those prices have gone up $50 per ticket based on what I can see. And someone emailed me over the weekend with screenshots showing the tickets have gone up 20% just this from since the end of the season season tickets have gone up 20 percent russ i'd be interested as the man of the people what are your thoughts on that um i don't care about season ticket prices because i'm never going to buy them okay Um, but this affects ticket prices overall so just let's just call it ticket prices because essentially the only published price the sixers have are season ticket hold tickets because everything they sell single game goes through StubHub and they're undoubtedly raising those prices as well. Yeah, this is where I have the bigger issue about the partnership with StubHub because I just think it's filthy and it's dirty and the likelihood of you finding cheap tickets on StubHub has has been taken away because you have your corporate overlord now monitoring those things and dictating terms. I don't like that. Um, and I don't even know if that's accurate. It's just the perception and I, and I think it's gross. Um, I, I've always enjoyed the Sixers because I've, I've found that they are cost-effective. I remember in college when the team was awful. Um, well, I guess pretty much they've been awful most of my life. Um, going up to the, the top deck and it being a 
$33 ticket, I think, for all you can eat on the uh, the end. And thinking that in college, that was the greatest thing. Nachos, hot dogs, ice cream, all for 33 bucks to go watch like Andre Iguodala not become a superstar. Um, but I, I always enjoyed the fact that the Sixers and even like the Phillies, even when the Phillies were good, you could still find a, a decently affordable ticket, either standing room only or in the 400 level. Um, I, I like the ability for there to be something that you could take your family to or go out with your friends when you're in college and it not break the bank. It's like the, the number one problem I have with the Flyers is I just think the tickets are way too expensive. And so the fact that the Sixers, who have been one of the more affordable teams, I get that the team has been awful. But like the fact that they've been so affordable that you can go out to Xfinity Live if you want and then go into the game and not have to drop you know, a mortgage payment. I know that's exaggerated. Um, the fact that, that that looks like it's going to dry up, the likelihood of you being able to just get tickets as a family for an affordable rate have, I, I guess, pretty much evaporated, which stinks, especially as somebody who stuck through it these last few years for 82 games of, you know, James Nunnally, that now, like, I won't be able to actually enjoy it because I don't have the money for it. And some schmo who bailed on the team for three years is now going to just get to, you know, drop massive wads of cash and uh, fill Josh Harris's coffers. Like, that's, it's disappointing. It's just the way it is. Yeah, I I mean, I, I, I certainly understand where you're coming from, and I understand the gripes of all people who are like, hey, I was here when they sucked, and, and now tickets are expensive, and it, we're going to get priced out. That happens in all of sports, all of entertainment, in, in many many businesses, that, that same sort of dynamic happens. I don't begrudge the Sixers for charging more. If they're going to put out a superior product, then they have every right to charge more money. And whatever that money is, so be it. You put your name on it. it is my. There are two issues that I, I'm not going to get into bashing them because I actually think what they're doing from a business standpoint is super smart. Um, my thing has always been that sports are not a traditional business. And credit to the Sixers for kind of treating it like one because I think at the end of the day, uh, they're going to have a pretty pretty compelling package, not just on the court. I think what they've done with their branding and the practice facility and using New Jersey to basically pay for it and doing all these things, that's smart business. And you can't begrudge a guy like Harris. That's how you get to become a billionaire and investing in uh, health and wellness and training. And we could roll our eyes to Sixers training staff, health, health and wellness training, that some of the branding stuff they've done, their logo looks great. Like if you look at the team and what they've done just subtly with their court and the arena lighting and the logo, when this team's good, you I, I watch the Warriors on TV now, and I think they look, their court, their home games just look cool. Their jerseys are cool. It looks cool. Unlike the Cavs, who have putrid jerseys and a, a weird-looking arena on TV, the Sixers are going to have a lot of things going in their favor. They got the Lakers-style lighting. All these little things help when they become a national team that you can really win over the casual fan who's really choosing teams very arbitrarily. So I give them all the credit in the world for that. But I look at like what they the the thing with the StubHub is that they're one of the first sports teams ever not to just create these pricing tiers based on games and and basically every few rows changing it. That's fine. But the Yankees have done that for a while. 
but they've publicized it. At the beginning of the year, you have, this is what each game's going to cost. Single game seat, season ticket, doesn't matter. Some games are more expensive than others, which is fair. They should charge more for a Warriors game or the Yankees for a Red Sox game. That's fine. By selling the tickets on StubHub, though, the single game seats, the Sixers get to remove their name from that equation. And over the last few years, it didn't really matter because they weren't totally filling the building. And they got some negative feedback, including from us, when they raised tickets publicly before the StubHub deal kicked in for Kobe Bryant's last game. And then last game here. But then last year, they got to put the tickets on StubHub, and we weren't really sure where the tickets were coming from. And in January, when those prices went up, how many tickets on StubHub were the Sixers price gouging a little bit? And by price gouging, you also get to impact the market because the Sixers presumably had the biggest collection of tickets, especially since they've been pretty good from what I hear about weeding out brokers and scalpers from being season ticket holders. The Sixers controlled a lot of the inventory on StubHub and can essentially impact the price of all the tickets on there if they have enough enough of the inventory. That to me is a big problem. But what they've done this offseason, the only published rates they have for tickets are season ticket tickets. And take, for instance, to baseline rows 11 through 17. A couple of months ago, according to a reader sent in a screenshot, that ticket was $80 per seat per game for season tickets. Baseline, back of the first level, $80 per ticket. That ticket today is sold out, but the price, I guess at some point last week, was $95. It's almost a 20% increase on the same seat. And it's pretty much like that across the board. The increases are higher for first level tickets than they were for second level tickets. But I don't... I just it just leaves a bad feeling in your mouth, especially when you've been this bad for this long. And by the way, you're still, you know, you're you're still coming off like a last place season. It just feels really crummy to identify an opportunity that you moved up in the draft that there's going to be more excitement and then jack your prices up. And you're going to have a situation, I've seen people say this like an airline where there's going to be people in row 11 who are sitting next to people who paid $20, $15, $20 less per game for the exact same product. And that that is something that has never really happened in sports. And I get that you have to start looking at things differently and treating sports like it's some religion isn't necessarily fair, but it is a different type of business that's based on um, you know fan emotion and intensity and passion. And obviously none of the, what the Sixers have done have steered fans away but that doesn't mean we have to like it. And I feel like raising ticket prices just because you made an off-season trade is really, really underhanded. I you mean you don't think they would have done this if they would have drafted uh, the next Paul Pierce, Jason Tatum? Um, here, here's, I guess, an issue that I have. So one of the things that we've talked about, you and I, off-air, um, is the idea that the Sixers have been taking on these these massive financial hits for the last few years because they haven't sold a lot of tickets, and how now the ownership group is going to want to you know have these prices jacked up, almost like to make up this difference. And the reason I guess I have an issue with that is because when they bought the team in 2011, they 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 spent around 287 million, and as of February, Forbes has has valued the team at 800 million, and that was again before we really knew that the Sixers were going to be able to go out and get a guy like Fultz. And it's before we knew that they were going to have just dynamic, like we knew that Embiid was a dynamic personality. We had gone through January and that nice win streak. But it's, 
it's upsetting to think that these hedge fund guys who own the team, who we've, I think, had issues with a little bit in the past, the fact that these guys are going to go out, potentially, and raise ticket prices, like you were saying, where you have a guy who might have spent 80 bucks a ticket sitting next to somebody who now paid that inflated $95 a ticket, it, it almost would have been nice to just see these guys just for one year almost kind of do a, uh, a goodwill offering of sorts to the fans where it's like, look, we're going we're gonna to increase the price because we know what's going on here. We know that we got faults, but we're not going to increase it nearly 20%. Thanks for sticking with us through these years. Let's get this first year sold out every game. Let's have the building packed with a real cross-section of the fan base. And not just the people who can afford. I feel like I'm going into like Bernie Sanders mode. Well, here's where it's like you know, everybody deserves a baseline ticket. It's not what I'm saying. It's just it's a. I, I just I can't wrap my head around the fact that you've had people who have been going to these games for years who are now not going to be able to either go or to afford a decent seat. Well, I almost wish that they would do a process test, do process no, night, all right. where you, you have to. No, 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 process Stop. night would be fantastic. There's a quiz. Like, you have to be able to name who some of these players are from the last few years. And if you can, you can, like, enter a lottery and get a, a baseline seat. That would be fantastic. All right. You, you, that is the Bernie Sanders take. And it, I, overly naive, I think you are being. But uh, to, to your point, their their worth has tripled, and a lot of people talk about that. Their operating income, they actually did they did lose money for a few years. So I'm looking at the Forbes thing. They lost, the, according to Forbes, which is uh, an outsider estimation, but, you know, the, kind of the, the gold standard for the way the public views these things. They lost, uh, basically broke even in 2011, lost $10 million in 2012. Uh, the most they lost, $3 million, $4 million in 2014. Since then, they've been profitable. Each of the last three seasons, 18 million plus each of the last three years, the revenue has gone up, their profit has gone up, the valuation has gone up. So I, I don't necessarily think they need to recoup lost money by selling more tickets. They, they are just fine and healthy from a business standpoint and from a valuation standpoint and from the people who own the team. There's there's no real there's there's no real need for the Sixers to jack up prices. I don't have a problem. It, is like I don't have a problem out pricing out the little guy. I think as a sports team, you need to make tickets available for families and for people who might not be able to afford tickets. And your point about the Flyers is spot on. It, it sounds like a bargain now, but a good ticket for a Flyers game in, in the 90s. I remember my dad and I would get a few seats in the first level, like 10 rows back, and they were like $75 a ticket. And we could go to like a couple of games per year at that price. Whereas the Phillies, we could we had first level season tickets at the vet, and it was like, you know, the cost of four or five Flyers games. Um, Which, I mean, we know is dictated because baseball stadiums are going to have so many more seats. Than, of course, of course. Like but, Fargo, you know, we're... But- you're still an outsider buying tickets. And the Flyers thing, it did price people out. And the playoff tickets would go up $50 and they'd be started over $100 a ticket in the lower level and stuff like that. And you do, you price some people out. Hockey has always been sort of a rich man sport. Basketball's been a little bit more accessible to most people. And you're still going to be able to get tickets um, that are, you know, like if I'm looking right now, there's still $15 season tickets available. They're sold out. Um, actually, no, the prices went up, but you get the point. 
um, you know, 20, 20, roughly $20 tickets you could still get for season ticket plans. So it, it's totally doable. And there will be bargains on StubHub. There's going to be Tuesday night games where people are going to be unloading last-minute tickets. I don't think it's the sort of thing where you're not going to be able to get into the building for, for under 50 bucks or whatever. But it That's is important that to I be want, able to— I want people to take a look at as the season goes on is to look at, at what prices are the StubHub tickets actually being set at. Like, if, if, yeah, I, well, wanted, if I wanted to drop my tickets in for 5 bucks. Are, is StubHub slash the Sixers going to allow me to sell those tickets for five bucks, or are they going to set a minimum? I don't know how that works. I I do not have any proof that that they're going to prevent you from doing such a thing, but it will be interesting because I can't imagine that the the Sixers would be too thrilled with with that. But maybe they don't. I, I can't imagine they they're going to like run StubHub. They're just I have one a of friend teams. So I actually talked to Chris Heck uh, last year about this, who's the Sixers, uh, uh, I don't know his title, the, the, the head business guy, the guy in charge of the, the ticket initiative, among many others. Uh, and he explained to me that the the Sixers weren't selling on the secondary market. He, it was, he, was, he was speaking, po- his spin on this was, you're going to be able to lump in tickets. So if you have two Sixers tickets, next to two tickets from someone who just is selling their tickets and they happen to be in the same row. You can combine that sale into one and then you could take the average price of all those tickets and get four seats in a row and sell across partners. It will When you buy a ticket, it will be seller agnostic. You can mix tickets from sellers and that's one of the things they were selling to people. That it, it would nice. help with that, availability. That's not a bad idea. It's no. It, in principle, what they're doing makes a ton of sense. It makes for one seamless experience. You can be safe and secure when you buy on StubHub, knowing that you have the guarantee not just of StubHub now, but the team is involved. However, on the Sixers side, what the StubHub partnership is, it gives them a ton of data, customer insight and data, not just about prices, but like actual customer information. The way I understand it, it, having access to the customer list of StubHub was was a big deal for the Sixers. And they've been vultures from a sales perspective. And I think I think they're getting a lot of names from people who have bought on StubHub, which is fine. But what what kind of gets lost in that, and he claimed there would be no minimums. If you wanted to go on there and sell your tickets for a penny, then then so be it. He, he said, look, I think it would be a waste of time. If you spent $30 on a ticket and you want to sell it for a dollar, that's your loss. Um, so I don't think the Sixers are controlling prices. I do have a friend who was, is a uh, professional broker scalper. He's had Flyers tickets, Celtics tickets. Uh, he's got tickets for teams everywhere, concerts. Uh, he's the guy we all hate. Very smart guy, though. Um, and he he realized a few years ago that a lot of teams, starting with the Celtics, then the Sixers, then the Flyers, have gotten really good about figuring out who the brokers are in their ranks and cutting them out, which is ostensibly good for the fan because now you're cutting out people who are buying tickets just to mark them up. But what the teams have started doing and what the Sixers will do with StubHub is they can mark them up themselves. Like why allow someone else to get that increased profit if there's demand for your product and you could just do it yourself. And the thing is with the Sixers, we will never know. No matter how much they say, oh, we're not, he, you know, when I talked to Heck, he said, we're not going to just jack up prices, you know, all willy nilly, um, you know, on a per game basis. And I'm not quite frankly so sure I believe that. If they're changing tick season ticket prices based on one off season move, I have no doubt in my mind that these single game tickets are being run on an algorithm and 
if 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 there's increased demand on a Tuesday night game because the stars coming in or the Sixers are in the middle of a hot streak or whatever, I guarantee you those prices will go up on StubHub and many of those will come from the team. So it just it just kind of leaves an icky feeling in your mouth. I think there's a happy middle ground. If you want to charge more, fine, but own it and don't don't change your t- season ticket prices mid off season. I, I don't know if I've ever seen that. Um, let's let's move on to the Flyers. Um, how how was that for a transition? Just um, rip the bandaid. Yeah, that that's why we need Adam. <laughs> um, Flyers draft this weekend. They came away with Nolan Patrick, not Nico. Uh, on a scale from one to ten, where was your level of disappointment? I was at about a solid eight and a half. I would say seven of that eight was because I think Nico is the more exciting, better player, and the Flyers have been missing the flat-out sniper score. And I would say one and a one point five percent of that was because we had a kick-ass Nico power play T-shirt ready and ready for sale, and my finger was on the button until the uh, Devils announced that Nico was their pick. I can't believe how much. You've talked about the Nico power play shirt, but you haven't talked up the Sons of Sam shirt on the podcast. That's we will. That is we will get that there. Is certainly, that is certainly an interesting. That doesn't. I don't even need to talk that up. I one tweet on sat. One tweet on Saturday, and they were selling all day Saturday. I was out dinner with my wife, and my my watch is going off with sale notifications. There's no better feeling on earth than when you're when you're when you're buying a taking your wife out to dinner that you have paid for it during the course of the appetizer as the shirts sell. But that's a whole different elitist uh, level of, of Wow. Yeah. All right. So uh, <laughs> I'm sitting at the bachelor party and I'm watching the NHL draft, which I have to say, I, I don't really get the NHL draft all that much. I don't get the organizations going up to the, uh, to the mic and making the pick. Do they um, do that past the first round? I... I don't, I don't know, because I only watched yeah, the first no. round this year. Ditto. Um, By the way, the hockey, like it, uh, another example of hockey doing something wrong, like as bad as bad as when they played their All Star game in two thousand seven on it, like a Tuesday night on versus. Um, doing your draft, I know they don't want it to conflict with the the NBA draft, and I get that. Doing the draft on a Friday night, the first Friday night of the summer. It's it, like sometimes it's like it's like hockey is trying to not get attention and ratings and publicity for itself. A f- the first Friday night of summer, we're gonna hold our draft. Like, what TV audience do they expect to get by doing that? Go ahead. Uh, the Canadian kind. But I, like, um, it's just so mind-boggling. Like, it's so they're so backwards sometimes. You're really upset about this, aren't you? No, I'm not. But like, it's like they're. And sometimes they. And I know they have to defer to basketball, and they can't put it against the NBA draft, of course. Wait a week. Do it a week earlier. Do it in two weeks. Like, I know free agency. You got to do it before that. But just stop. Like hockey. Stop doing things that like make it hard for the average person to find your product. NBC Sports on a Friday night in June. Who's watching that? Go ahead. So. uh... I don't even remember what we were talking about now. Um, oh, so, Nolan, okay, so Nolan Patrick, right? So at first I was upset because we spent so much time talking about Nico. And then within 10 minutes, I sat back and I thought, we didn't know what we were talking about in the first place. Like, if you think about it, me, <laughs> you, and Adam sat... Should be the name sat, for this podcast. Like, before, <laughs> like, we sat talking about the NHL draft, what was it, months ago, and we are like... Or when the the lottery happened, and we're like, "All right, what do we know about Nico, and what do we know about Nolan Patrick?" And we just all kind of looked at each other, like, "We don't know anything, but we like the name Nico." So, like, we essentially had a sports talk radio 
Yeah, that was our that was our and to, to be fair to us, that was our first take. I think hours after we learned they got the second pick, and no one was expecting it. We we spent an entire next show really doing a deep dive on both of those guys, and I think yeah, at least you just, and I actually put in time, and Adam just clung on, glommed onto his name. Oh man, you're trashing Adam today. This is not good. It's I, our test I, to see I, how how deep he makes it into the show. I hope he comes back. Remember the one episode he decided to go intentionally heal. So yes. like maybe yeah. Uh, oh, Kyle's going heal. I've ruined it. So he's actually going to come out in, mid show and give me a stunner. Bam, bam, bam. Oh, I was going to go NWO. That's fine. Um, so when I looked at, at Nolan Patrick's stats, you know, we got really caught up in the fact that Nico, I think, averaged more than a point per game last year. And then I looked at 2015-16. Nolan Patrick, before some of the injuries he had, he scored 102 points in a season. In 72 games, he scored 102 points for the Brandon Wee Kings. And I get that juniors are not the pros. Like, I get that. But 102 points in a season is absurd. Um, he only played 33 games last year. He still scored 46 points. So the guy's still going over a point per game in his last two pro seasons. He was, I mean, he was the consensus number one pick months ago. And, like, we always see this happen in pretty much any sport when the draft comes along. Somebody flies up the board, and and sometimes that, that is totally warranted and they end up being the best player, but sometimes it really is just teams getting really caught up in, in the hype, and Nico will probably go on to burn us, but oh, he's, Nolan he's, Patrick... He's the new Patrick Eliash, and that, that breaks my heart more than anything. Not I, I, that he's I just a flyer. That, uh, he's going to kill us for a decade. But you know what? I you know It's not like the flyers passed on him. No, I just mean I just know. Devils passed on Nolan, and I'm, I'm hoping that he burns the Devils. No, no, I, I, I I get what you're saying there. I don't think it's, I don't think it's just because Nico. I don't think Nico's not pissed. It's just you know that when you have that like Philly sports fan feeling in your gut, like yep, this fucker's gonna, this he's gonna own us for a decade. Like that, that's just. You know, you you know that's going to happen. This is the guy they missed out on, and it's going to come back to haunt us every single time the Flyers and Devils play. And he's going to crush mm. our souls, this backbreaker on us during a playoff series three years from now. You watch. But see, like, I don't think this is necessarily having missed out on a guy. Like, if you look back at the the time the Flyers had the worst record in in the league, and they ended up with James Van Riemsdyk instead of Patrick Kane, like, that's missing out on a guy. Because yes. you should have had the number one pick. Fair. The Flyers... The Flyers got super lucky in jumping up to two. Like, yeah, is it disappointing? Sure. Would you have rather, you know, have the number one pick? Absolutely. Would we maybe have prepared or would we have preferred Nico? Yeah, for the sake of selling some shirts and and maybe because he's speedy, like that would have been great. But Nolan Patrick is a really good player. He's only 18. I'm hoping, hoping that he makes the team this year. And I'm also very much hoping that the Braden Shen trade, which I can't wait to talk about, um, is to clear a spot for Nolan Patrick so that they don't play him on the right wing. No, he's going to play, and he'll play center this year. I can't imagine they'd be stupid enough. Uh, by all accounts, going into the draft, he was the one guy who was a lock to make an NHL roster this year, if if he's healthy. Um Whereas Nico is a little bit more of an uncertainty because of his size. I think they're both going to make it regardless. If the Devils certainly, if they took him number one, you'd have to think they're, um, you know, they certainly plan on playing him this year. Um, 
Yeah, I, look, I'm disappointed. It's not just a t-shirt thing. I genuinely wanted the game is changing, and Ron Hextall has, I think, done a decent job of acknowledging the, the old Flyers' ways don't work anymore and that it's a bit more of a speed game. And I'm just, I just feel like the Flyers have always had the big two-way center, and I was looking forward to the, to the speedy guy who can score. You can, the, the talents like that can be hard to find, and the Flyers had a chance of getting them, and they didn't get them, and that's fine through no fault of their own. The fact that we're sitting here talking about the Flyers getting the number one or two pick in the draft, where they were should have just been middle of the pack, drafting a relative no name that we would have crossed our fingers on and would have had a forty percent chance of of turning into something decent in the NHL. They made out great here. They got what was the consensus pick up until two weeks ago, the consensus number one pick in the draft, and Nico shot up boards. Uh, and there were there were concerns. There are concerns about Patrick's injuries. Go back over the last. He has missed time over the last four seasons. Shoulder injury, a sports hernia on the left side, and then the following year on the right side, and then it wasn't fully healed. And last season he was hurt coming into the year. He played, then he got hurt through January. He played again, and then whatever it was popped up again at the end of the season and he missed the last game of the regular season and all four of his team's playoff games. So that that's what he's coming in with. Now he's a young guy. They could just be fluke injuries. It happens. Certainly we're a fan base that is excited about Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and you know we, we know the Sixers injury history there. So um, I, I don't think Patrick is like damaged goods by any stretch. Uh, I got a lot of hate over the weekend over my last minute little re- birdie report that the Flyers yeah that well so the he's got too many injuries rock I I appreciate the uh that's pretty good actually I I knew it was either that or or the uh, when I tweet from little birdie it was it's either that or like going the Gilbert Gottfried Iago from Aladdin (laughs) but I don't know how many people are going to listen to this on their way to work and I don't know if people are ready for a Gilbert Gottfried I think you could uh, do it we're about 30 minutes in oh okay well then that's fine I'll just interrupt you at some point with that. Okay. So um, I had heard from the... This guy can't stay healthy. He's always injured. Go ahead. I knew I wasn't going to make it into a full (laughs) sentence. Uh, (laughs) That that might be your best one, actually. Do that again. This guy, he's always injured. I can't help myself but to be worried... That Nolan Patrick is never gonna be a healthy player for the Flyers. I want for going forward. Every time we have to serve up crow to a beat writer, I want that to be your crow voice. That that's, that's what you have to read the the old takes, the, the retweet Armageddon's, the eating crow. That's what you have to read the takes in. That's outstanding. That's fine. Um, much better than your Trump. Much better. Um. I don't even know where I was. Oh, the little birdie. So this is the same person who told me two and a half days before the Flyers hired Dave Haxall three years ago, sent me an email, said, look, I'm just going to tell you this. They're hiring a guy named Dave Haxall from North Dakota. And I just, I saw the email on a Friday. I think it was a Friday. And I was like, well, I don't even know who that is. I doubt the Flyers are hiring a guy that no one's ever heard of from college unheard of in hockey and sure enough two and a half days later they hired him so that guy had earned my trust at that point uh I, he told me on friday that the, the flyers were definitely um hesitant about patrick's injuries and the not that they weren't going to take him because you would have to come away with an absolute haul and it would be a potential job killer if you pass on a guy like patrick he's not hurt 
and he turns out to have a great career. So I never really thought they weren't going to take him if he was sitting there too. But I think part of the reason you saw those Flyers trade discussions last week was because there was some reservations on the part of the Flyers about Patrick's injury history. And I think the guy they wanted was Nico. And not that, you know, again, they took Patrick. So people are like, oh, you got egg on your face. Uh, like I never reported they weren't going to take him. I said they had some reservations and preferred Nico and weren't fully sold on Patrick, which I kind of believe to be the case. But he was sitting there too, and unless some other team wanted, unless Vegas wanted to orchestrate some just like gigantic haul for them, they were going to take him, which is exactly what they did. I found it interesting watching Ron Hextall's body language. He seemed disappointed. Look at the Devils' faces when they were up there taking Nico, and then look at Hextall's. Maybe that's just his demeanor, but I've I got seen Hextall look over the moon it's, excited though in fairness it's like, fair but poker face. you're taking the number two guy in the draft usually it's glad handing and smiles all around and uh i, I don't know i didn't get that vibe from hextall but anyway they took him and it is so i i stick by the report i don't i don't doubt it i do think there were there are concerns about his injury history and i think think nico was the guy a lot of teams really wanted so i do let, want to point out like i think something that's been a little bit of a misconception though nico and and nolan patrick are more or less the same size it's they're they're both 6'2 i think nolan has like 20 pounds on nico and that's it nico's a quicker guy but i think like some people at least uh, like on a on a surface level seem to have thought that nico was this like five foot nine like almost like a like a marty saint louis kind of guy who's like just a lot smaller and faster you know it's and funny you say that case. Because I seeing them at the draft, I was like, wow, they are what you the way they're described in scouting reports and even the way they look on the ice, and then you see them next to each other, you would never you'd never be like, Oh, Pat Patrick is that much bigger than him. I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, they're 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 like the same size. The interesting thing though, the Flyers ended up drafting two guys to play wing. One is six six, that's Isaac Ratcliffe, and the another one was six four, Matthew Strom. So like I it it is gonna be interesting to see I mean, these guys are a long way off, but to see if by the time they get to the league, if being that big as a wing is going to be something that, that we'll see the league kind of evolve into. I mean, the league is so, so much speed at this point. Um, it, it will be interesting to see, does a six six winger actually, you know, fit what the league is going to be in a few years when, when he finally cracks? I am hoping that Wait, Nolan who, makes it. Okay. What? Wait, did you just put Nolan at the wing? I blacked out no, for a second. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I, I was saying Ratcliffe and Strom are going to oh, okay, you know, eventually okay, maybe play the wing. But okay. I, I am going to be really interested to see what happens with Nolan Patrick this year. I I really, really want him to make the team. I think it would do so much for the fan base, and I think it would do so much just in, in theory for watching the Flyers, give you a reason to, to turn them on, because there's not that much turnover that's happened at this point. I know free agency hasn't happened yet. I got a Twitter question that I think was just sent to me that was asking about, like, what are they going to do with goalie this year? Um, and, and, like, it, it's the same thing. It's the same thing pretty much every year. They're going to patchwork it. And, like, I don't think Stolarz is going to be the the starter this year. Maybe he's the backup. But, like, I'm sorry. If, if as a Flyers fan, I'm supposed to be excited because we have Michael Neuvert playing as the starter with Stolarz as the backup, like, it doesn't do it for me. And I can't, I can't really get that excited. The only guy who's really going to get me excited is watching Nolan Patrick play. But again, I don't want him to be like a fourth-line center. And I don't want him to be a third-line center. Like, 
Let him fill the Braden Shen role. Let him be the number two center on the team. Put Couturier down on the third line. Let Couturier be the, you know, the master of the penalty, the penalty kill. Like, give Nolan Patrick the opportunity to be successful early. Build the kid's confidence. I know, like, people, it, it's weird. You get a young guy in, and, and it seems like in hockey, people are always worried that you're going to, like, break his spirit if he doesn't do well right away. But if you don't surround him with decent wingers and guys who aren't converted from center, I don't know how successful he's going to be. I want them to actually make a few moves with an eye to the future and get him some legitimate wingers to play on the second line. I don't know if that's too much to ask, but that's what I want. So uh, you mentioned Braden Chen. We should talk about the trade. Uh, here's what I'll say about the Flyers, and then this will lead. You can you can give your thoughts on the trade. I don't. Uh, Flyers fans, the the hardcore Flyers fans, love what Hextall is doing. Not quite in the way that Sixers folks loved what Hinky did, but I would say pretty close. And when Hextall made this trade on Friday night, he sent Braden Shen, for those who don't know, traded Braden Shen, and in return got Laterra, uh, who had a whopping seven goals last year, and a $4.5, $4.7 million cap hit. A first-round pick this year moved back up into the back of the first round, and what, a future first, most likely yeah. next year? So we got yeah, 27 this year. It's a top 10 protected first pick round next, next year, year from the Blues, which should most likely vest that'll convey uh and what am i uh i'm, I'm missing a, a key part here am i not no you're Tra- not trade so- Chen. okay two first and, and latera so it was universally lauded for this he got rid of Braden chen who's been the flyers flyers fans whipping boy basically since he got here he never materialized into the next mike richards which is exactly what he was billed as in, in a way he kind of was because four years later five years later he was traded on the exact same day but 25 goal score with what 17 of those goals coming on the power play. play. Um, never was a terrific five on five player. Hit a lot. The last few years, he turned into a much more physical player, but he was he was an easy punching bag for folks. So I don't. Ha- I, I'm. I certainly wasn't a big Braden Shen guy. I'm glad. I have no problem moving on from him. I don't quite understand the trade, and this is a microcosm of how I feel about the Flyers in general right now. Like I just everything they doing, they're doing feels right, but at the same time, I know I'm going to sound like maybe I'm going to be make myself eligible for a future Flyers retweet Armageddon here. And I'm not as well versed in the Flyers right now as I am as a Sixer. So I will I will Bob Brook over myself there and won't put like a final stamp and definitive approval. But I will say to you, Russ, like I don't quite understand what the Flyers are doing from a big picture level or even in this trade. So you, you swap Shen, still 25 goals, even though 17 come on the power play, for a guy like Laterra. Their cap hits are very similar. Shen was 5.1 million. Laterra is 4.7. He's got two years left on his deal. He scored seven goals last year total. Um, and you get two future first, yes. But it, let's keep in mind, this isn't the NBA or NFL where hockey, much like baseball, the draft is is much more of a crapshoot than it is in the other sports. And even when you land on a guy short of maybe one of the first few picks in the draft, you're looking further down the road. You're looking through a minor league process, whereas NBA, yeah. a guy can come in, and you're going to know within a year or two what his trajectory could be. So by getting the 27th pick in the draft, and let's assume the Blues are pretty good next year and a late first-round pick next year, and tying up some cap space 
I know you get a little relief by trading Shen, but tying up $4.7 million in cap space with a guy who scores seven goals, I'm just not quite sure that this is like the win everyone thinks it is. Shen was at least right. an adequate NHL player. Laterra is not. They have similar no, cap hits, that's... and you're getting two late first-round picks that maybe one of the guys turns into like a second-round winger eventually. But who knows? So I guess this is. I think this is what Hextall looked at. I don't think he was convinced that Shen is going to ever turn it around in five and five on five. Agreed. Fair. Um, I think. I think you can make the case that it's a mistake because Shen is still a young guy. Um, who, who, like, being able to score on the power play, you could say you're up a man and you should be able to score, but there, there's definitely something to be said for a guy who was second on the team in goals with 25 and a guy who was very reliable on the power play. Trying to get Was he really second? Those... Was 25 good for second? Yep. God damn. Um, I mean, you can hear fact check me. Look at that. Yeah, I, I that believe you. I, I know. I believe you. I'm I just... So... Yeah. I guess here's the issue. So using the Corsi metric, apparently Latera was was better in five on five, and he. I guess his issue is from from what I've read, Latera was not much of a shooter because he was he was on a line with Tarasenko, and Tarasenko was you know a superstar player, and he was really just more of a kind of facilitator. I think the more upsetting part of it is seeing that he only had 14 assists because if you're playing on a on a a line with a legitimate score and a legitimate superstar you should have more than 14 assists um they do manage to get themselves out from under the Braden shen contract though he was he was up for a, he had an extra year on his deal versus latera and he was also making more money it's oddly reminiscent in some way of the hartnell for umberger trade but i i guess if hextall wasn't sold that Shen was going to turn it around and, and was going to blossom into the blue chip prospect that he was supposed to be when they acquired him as part of the Richards trade, which by the way, Wayne Simmons was totally underrated at the time in that deal. The whole mm-hmm. thing was supposed to be built around Shen and right. it never really materialized. So the fact that like you got Simmons to be this fantastic player is, I, I think you still like, if you look back on it, like you still kind of won that deal. Um, Simmons, is just awesome. I, I love the guy. Um, if you were looking to just get out from under that contract that maybe you shouldn't have given Shen last year, then it makes sense. You got two first rounders. You can say that they're late first rounders and who cares. But getting two first round picks for a guy that you weren't sold on that you wanted to get out from under the contract of is not necessarily a bad haul. I just don't understand the pick that they made at 27 because it's not like I'm this draft expert. I would never claim to be. But some of the, the reports that came out and, and the scouting that had gone into it said that the guy that they got at 27, uh, what's his name? I just had him up. Uh, I'll find it. Morgan Frost. Average less than a point per game. There were people who said that Morgan Frost could have been taken much later in the draft. Not like 20 picks later, but could have been taken later. That they might have reached for him. Um, I think if you can get two first-round picks for a guy like Shen, if you're not sold on him, is, is a decent haul. But to your point about what are they doing short-term and long-term, I don't totally see it either. Because a lot of these, like what they should have been doing, I think, is they should then be taking some of these assets, like this future first, and parlay it as a way to try to get out from under some of these other monstrous numbers. Like, we're never going to be able to get rid of Andrew McDonald. He's going to be our albatross. He's going to be the Jaleel Okafor of this team that people just don't want to be on the team, but he's going to still be there. 
I just think it's 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 really frustrating because I don't know how many of the young Flyers prospects that we always hear about, how many of these these defensemen are actually going to come up to the team this year. Um, I, I just don't I don't see the vision right now. I want to see if we're going to bottom out. I want to see them bottom out and have young guys getting minutes that that actually matter. I don't want to see them continue to build around Claude Giroux, who I don't think they look at as a as a long term piece here. He's, yeah, and he's not been able to hold up. He's been declining for years, and I really like him. I think he's a really good player. I think on a championship team, I think Claude Giroux is probably a second-line center. Yes. I don't think he's the guy that you that you build the team around. And until they make a trade, which I'm not necessarily advocating for, but until they, they make that trade... We're ruling trade, out, by the way. Is, Keep in mind, free agency Claude starts Giroux's next team. week. A lot can still happen. So let's... You know, we're not yeah, judging I, the offseason here. I don't really know what... I, I would not expect Hextall to make a huge splash. I think this is kind of like a, we're going to tread water for another year and see what happens and see if they can get a deal where they can get out from under some of these contracts and maybe make a splash next year. That's so, that's why this whole vision thing is just so cloudy. Yeah, so, and, and that's, I, I totally agree with you here. So, like, when you look at the Flyers, by the way, I didn't realize that they're still paying, they had three years at $5 million per year on Andrew McDonald. I thought it was two. Jesus. Yeah, it's bad. Um... The thing with the Flyers is, like, I a lot of people are applauding them because Flyers fans will say, "Well, they're doing what the Sixers did," and everyone applauded the Sixers for this. But I feel like the, but they're the not. Flyers, the Flyers, in a way, I feel like should be doing what the Eagles are doing. The NFL, like the NBA, is the only sport where you really have to truly bottom out to get superstars. Um, it's the league that requires superstars the most, and also if you want to get them through the draft, requires that you you pretty much bottom out. And you could draw a straight line from losing for four straight years to getting top quality picks like the Sixers have gotten, and really increasing your chances of building a future very good team. All of the other sports, that line becomes a little more murky to the point where I would say baseball, it's very hard to extrapolate, which why what the Phillies are doing now just feels odd because the baseball draft is such a crapshoot. I would put hockey one step below that and then football. And I feel like what the Eagles are doing is kind of smart. They're building for the future. They, they, they traded some... You know, They moved up to get Wentz. You get the sense they're being a little bit diligent in the way they do things. But at the same time, they're acknowledging that we can sign a guy like Alshon Jeffrey for a year who is still in the prime of his career. And and football teams very quickly turn to crank from bad to good. You can go from six wins one year to 10 wins the next year and or even a potential buy team the next year. That can happen in football. So the Eagles are are putting these There's also there's also you're you're able to cut the cord and and cut a yes. guy yes, without exactly. guaranteed money. It, and that's part of why it. the salary cap structure the way that it's set up in these other sports just doesn't allow you to kind of to build for now and the future at the same time, like the Eagles do. Th- that's fair, but and I the think the Sixers have done it because you, you know immediately that the guy that you draft is going to play big minutes, and that's why, like you're right, the idea that the Flyers are are going to have to draft guys who are going to then kind of, they're almost like a stash without wanting them to be, is very right. reminiscent of like what the Phillies are doing. So like, hold on, it, it hold, let sense. me let me just finish my thought, but then just in case we get off track for a sec, because I don't even know if I'm going to be able to articulate this, <laughs> which is another great tease. But like, like when you look at what the Flyers are doing, you've had this core. Like Three of their top four scores are guys that they got in the Richards and Carter trade, Simmons, Shen, and Voracek. And then you have Giroux, and then you, you have Couturier, at least if you're talking about goals. 
This group Carter trade. What's that? Couturier was part of the Carter trade. Yeah, that's what I mean. I said, yeah. and then you have Giroux, and then you have Couturier. So of the five, f- four of the top four five guys, five, yeah. but their three leading goal scorers are all guys a result of those two trades. Um, I meant Richards and Carter. If I said just Richards, that was my bad. I tend to lump them together in my brain. Um, so you have this core. They've won one playoff series in five years, and... It's not. It's clearly not good enough. Like what you said about Giroux, I think is totally fair, and I think it applies to any of these guys. Like Simmons, great player, all star. He 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 should not be your your team's leading scorer. He should not be your team's best goal scorer, best player, whatever you want to call him. Braden Shen, the fact that he was second on the team in goals, and the next guy was five goals behind him, Voracek at twenty, is is not good. And then to get rid of that guy in the short term. And yeah, you got a couple of future firsts, but you're not drawing like a direct line here. So I have no problem getting rid of Shen. But when you replace him, you say, all right, well, he wasn't that good five on five. So 17 power play goals, 25 total for Shen. I count eight five on five goals. The guy they're replacing him with had seven. So they're essentially the same player five on five. If you want to just strip out advanced stats and just look at like, like sheer, put the puck in the net production. Okay, fine. They have the same sort of ability. Shen scored 17 power play goals. That's nothing to sneeze at. Like you said, power play is a part of the game. I know you can, people want to judge guys on Corsi and five on five, and, and that's the best way to look at a player. I totally get that. And I totally get, I think advanced statistics in hockey, though, of all the sports have to be taken with the biggest grain of salt. Baseball, they make the most sense because every everything that happens is one individual matchup. It's one measurable event. Whether you're swinging the bat, throwing the pitch, or, or, or fielding a ball at shortstop or in the outfield. You can measure what is happening. Hockey is totally different. It is so fluid. For if you've ever played, like, you know, basketball is too, but there's still like, I have the ball, you have the ball. I have the ball, you have the ball. There's such an, a random element in hockey that I think Corsi makes sense, but you have to like look at the big picture here. Look who guys are surrounded with. Look at their team and say, hey, a guy who could score 17 goals on the power play even if he's a little bit of a liability, five on five, you know, maybe there's like a Jaleel Okafor corollary here. Here's a guy who can score who's a bit of a problem elsewhere. I get that, but I just, I don't, I'm not sure what the Flyers are doing. Like if you're going to keep Simmons, Voracek, and Giroux around and pretend that they're like your core and, and pay them a lot of money, and yet this is a group that hasn't been able to advance past the first round of the playoffs more than once or into the conference finals ever, and now they're all in the primes of their career. And if you're going to treat those guys as your core, then you you can't strip out the second leading scorer from that, replace him with essentially nothing at the same price, and take two late first-round draft picks that aren't going to materialize for three or four years when these guys are all gone. Like, that's what... I just don't understand the vision here. I get that you got guys like Ghost and Provorov, and, and now you got Patrick. The Flyers' future looks, looks bright, for sure. And... Keeping around Simmons and Voracek and Giroux may just be their way of, you know what, we could put a somewhat respectable product on the ice and we don't have to go full Sixers for a few years. And if that's the thinking, fine. But I don't think you need to do that in hockey. The Flyers are a team, uh, you would think, with the willingness to spend and enough clout to be able to lure free agents. And I think 
there's no excuse for the Flyers having not won a playoff series in four in five years. I, there's just none. Like they are not of all teams in in hockey or even in sports. The Flyers are an organization that can that should be able to put out a somewhat competitive product within a five year span because you don't need to bottom out the way you do in in basketball. So I'm just not. I just don't quite get the Shen trade. I'm glad you got two firsts for him, but I would have rather have done this trade and got a better player on the ice today and one first than two first that you know it's not like these are high these are high first round picks that you could draw a line this was a pretty weak draft after patrick and nico and getting number 27 and maybe number 25 next year excites me none like i just don't fully understand it i i could see why people would like it but at the same time it's like shit like you know like what You're, what are you doing I, to the think, team over the next two seasons i think it's pretty safe to say that you really like the trade and you think that the flyers are the best equipped to uh, make a championship run in the upcoming season <laughs> no but am probably... i like do you disagree with me like like look at no i, I but i think i think we're now at a point where we're just going to talk in circles about it yeah okay it's, that's fine yeah You're i right. think that's i think that's pretty much where we're at yep uh so totally agree. I, that's just I think that this is something like maybe over the next couple of days we'll get a little bit of clarity of, of what the vision is and, and on Wednesday when we're rejoined by Adam Lefko, hopefully back in California hate this at that point, um, maybe we'll we'll have a chat. I, I'll put this to people. Amazing, if, if you're listening now, and because I think for our limited knowledge of the rest of the Flyers draft picks and the fact that we didn't even mention the uh, second first round pick for the Sixers, who has like the coolest name ever. Andres Pasichnik. Um, we didn't even mention, you know, our our own new Chris Epps Porzingis. And we've gone, I think, almost an hour. I think it's time that we kind of let people go for the day, Kyle. Yeah, if you're I'm right. honest. Here's I, what I feel here, like they, here's what they, I will put they've to gotta people. go to work. Here's what I will put to people. I don't think we have the hardcore flyers, uh, the hardcore flyers crowd, the way some of the other folks do. I wanna I wanna hear from people if you this is like so sports talk radio. How do you feel about the direction the flyers are going and because i want to know like if i'm wrong about the trade and i'm over analyzing it and hey we got two first for shen just let it go fine tell me that i just feel like i'm missing something here and no one has been able to explain to me why this is such a brilliant deal or why you know why the flyers are in such a good spot moving forward um, and do us do us a favor kyle and i had this had this conversation before we started today if you're on Twitter, if you're on iTunes, leaving us a five-star review as always, which you should be doing. We're at 187 five-star reviews. We're at 196 reviews overall, or ratings. Give us an idea of, and this is very Sports Talk Radio and I don't care, give us on a scale of one to 10 how much you care about each team. Because I think Kyle and I might not be totally in agreement about how much people care about the different teams. So I need a number from 1 to 10. 1 is you couldn't care less about them. 10 is you are diehard. You are absolutely like diving into every draft pick the team has. You've been pulling up Pacheknis, uh YouTube highlights for the better part of two years getting ready for the draft. Scale of 1 to 10, where do you rank how much you care about the Eagles, the Sixers, the Flyers, the Phillies, and maybe maybe the Union? Yeah, and by care, soul, and by though. care, I would say not that you maybe not care is the wrong word. Maybe like level of in depth knowledge, of fandom. Yeah, yeah, yeah like ten being in-depth, you're in-depth researching second round picks today. Yeah, yeah, in depth is better. 
Okay, we will. Like uh, and we also one other last thing. Speaking of things that, and we don't. You know, this isn't even a discussion. But speaking of things that are not like like poor, like trying to get people not to watch. The big three started this weekend. Allen Iverson played. I guess this is sort of a thing. They played the game yesterday, and they're airing it today on a tape delay. 2017. It's the middle of the summer. There's 700 cable channels and a million streaming providers. And the big three, whoever is overseeing this league, couldn't find a place to broadcast it live. Way to go, yeah. guys. And, like, and, and it's way weird. to go. It's going to be on FS1 tonight at 8 o'clock. F, of course, I'm just, Fox. I'm just confused course. why they wouldn't have had it like on FS2 uh, yesterday, but whatever. Great question. Everyone knows you know, what let, happened let on Fox Twitter. Fox. Let, them, let, them, let them do their thing. Like, oh. They could have even put it on like FX or FXX. It blows. You have a novelty sports product, which is going to be a, a niche audience to begin with. But you have a, the whole point of this, I would think, is to get some live TV dollars and interest out of it. And instead, they're putting it on tape. Are all the games on tape delay, or is it just the first one? Which I don't know. I know might even make it worse. Yesterday was because somebody spoiled the game for Adam, and he was very upset about it on Twitter. So because it already happened. That that'll be that'll be our conversation on Wednesday. Let's, yeah. Let's talk about the big three. And obviously, since we now made a tease for a show on Wednesday, we'll never get around. We'll it. never get. To any of those exciting. things we talked about. All right, guys. I thanks. heard the big three league is going to move to Camden. What are your thoughts? Six one zero. We right. will get there. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks for listening. We will. Uh, Adam will be back uh, on Wednesday. We'll see you. See you on Wednesday.